When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the John Favreau's My Daddy podcast with Jessica Garcia and Monica Montoya. Greetings. August Bunsen B. Bogus Bunsen I wish I knew the other lyrics. I'll add my I'll add my bottle sounds to it. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Bogus Bunsen Bean. <laughs> I could not keep that up long enough. <laughs> that was a bottle of Topo Chico Twist of Lime. Uh, sponsor us. <laughs> I really wish I could have kept my composure for longer, giving you more than two solid beats. I know. <laughs> Hello, Monica. Good evening, Jessica. Yes, it is a good evening. We don't usually record at night. We never record at night simply because my circadian rhythm is like from like 7 a.m. until like 10 p.m. That's why we don't record at night. Monica is 85 years old. I'm 87. Thank you very much. I'm very old. I need my rest. I'm, I'm just so ancient. I'm so ancient. I could pass away at any moment. I would merely cease to exist. I would fly like dust in the wind. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but it's been a busy week, so now we're recording at night to uh, make up for some time. Yeah, y'all, we, uh, we're in it to win it. <laughs> I was in trying it to, to win it, in it, it to win it. win it, oh yeah! <laughs> push it, push it to, to the, the limit, limit, because <laughs> we're in it to win it. Jump rope, in it to the da Corbin Blue, incredible that was so good we should do an episode about all high school musical films uh, that was in high school was it yes no you said Corbin blue what else has he been in there's this movie Nothing. about no there's this movie about jump rope that he's no. in i swear to god i swear push it. it's it's from high school musical push it Corbin blue push it to the limit song by Corbin blue wait one yes, second we know it's Corbin blue it's just, from high school musical i don't i'm no. not sure I win. Is it I not? love winning. It is from the movie Jump In. Wow, about Aaron, jump you ropes. and I were both wrong. <laughs> so yeah, we just took a quick break so I could school the shit out of Jessica Garcia. <laughs> and Aaron. And it was Aaron. two against one over here. And I was the one who won. <laughs> I, I'm going to say that I think Jump In was an offshoot of, the, of High School Music. Cool. I don't think it's like, is it in the same canon? I don't think so. I don't think so. It was. It, it, to it me, was, it is. It was Corbin Blue. It was Kiki Palmer. I'm pretty sure. And it was a jump rope. And it was and it was like jump rope competition. Wow. Right. So how are you, Monica? I'm pretty darn swell on this fine, fine evening. Fine, fine Wednesday evening. It's a Wednesday. It's, it's a my, Wednesday. It's hump day. You know, you know, who I just thought of. <laughs> I wonder what Bernie Tita is doing right now. What? <laughs> I hope he's well. I hope he's well. <laughs> I hope he's doing okay on February 10th, 2021. 
2021. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought I thought you were going to say, I hope how like Fergie's doing. No, 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 no. I mean, I think about her a lot too, but because we were doing that accent that we did for, uh, that was so fun. Bernie Tita. Bernie Tita. <laughs> <laughs> but this episode isn't about Bernie. Well, it's also not about Fergie Ferg. But the I one, wish. She is a daddy. <laughs> she really is a daddy. I was just going to say, the hump day always makes me think of, think of my humps, which oh, then makes me think yeah. of my lady lumps. Check it out. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh boy. No, no, no. Today's episode. Why don't you tell us who it's about, Monica? Give it's, us announce it. It's about one man named Wes Anderson. Do 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 but the wee bow friends with <laughs> Owen Wilson puts Luke and Owen in him in his movies. Do do do. <laughs> Bill Murray. Do, do, do. Dee, dee, dee. There's a lot of other actors to name if you, you want to go based gonna... off of who he uses all the time. Uh, <laughs> tell us about Wes Anderson, Jessica. Alrighty. So Daddy Wes Anderson is an American filmmaker, period. In other words, he does literally everything because he produces, writes, directs. All things. All, all things. things. Wes grew up in Houston, Texas and would often make silent films on his father's Super 8 camera starring his brothers and his friends. Of course, of course. While his first ambition was to be a writer, he got a degree in philosophy at the University of Texas at Austin where he met his friend and future collaborator, Owen Wilson. Yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Owen and Luke Wilson starred in his first film, Bottle Rocket, in 1996, which was based on a short film of the same name that he made also with them. While that film was a commercial failure, but a critical success, his second film, Rushmore 1998, was a huge critical success, launching the second act of Bill Murray's career and leading him to appear in every Anderson film since. Ka-chow. Since then, Anderson has been a highly regarded filmmaker. His films are known for their symmetry, eccentricity, and distinctive visual and narrative styles, often noted as being unusually character-driven and considered, quote, literary geek chic. They often feature limited color schemes, a vaguely 60s-70s aesthetic, and recurring actors. He is widely regarded as a modern-day example of the auteur, which, if you don't know what that means, it basically just means someone who has, like, creative control over everything. <laughs> um, he has received seven Academy Award nominations, seven BAFTA Award nominations, winning one for Best Original Screenplay for the Grand Budapest Hotel, and six Golden Globe nominations, winning one for Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy for the Grand Budapest Hotel as well he's also the literal daddy to a single daughter named freya or freya i don't know how you say it but that's her name wow man what a man man (laughs) what a man what a man what a man what a man man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i love wes anderson man i love him too he's uh so special you know he's such an oddball yeah, he really is fucking weird, but I love him. Yeah, he's such an oddball, but you gotta love the man. And the fact that he went to the University of Texas at Austin, what are the, what's their mascot? I want to know. Uh, Hook'em Horns, isn't it? He was a, a horn? The Texas Longhorns. Is that he not? He was a horn? <laughs> <laughs> I almost applied to UT Austin. For what purpose? Uh, they have actually pretty good drama school. Sandra Bullock went there. Matthew McConaughey went there, but for journalism, I think. Oh, yeah. Gotta love the Conaughey. But quite a few famous people went there. Wow. 
Are they the Longhorns? Okay, I have confirmed that they are the Texas Longhorns. The name of their mascot, though, like, you know how they there's usually one who has a name? <laughs> yeah. Like, USC's is Traveler or, like, Tommy Trojan or whatever. His uh-huh. name is Bevo. Bevo. <laughs> and he's a Longhorn steer. Hook him horns. Hook him horns. Hook him horns. My stepmom went to UT. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> As did... As did that man. The the Conahay. The Conahay. The Conahay. So Yeah, I don't know. Wes Anderson doesn't strike me as like a Southern boy. I know, but I guess he is because he's gosh darn it putting goddamn Owen Wilson in goddamn everything. <laughs> it's, funny. it's funny. Owen Wilson does strike me as Southern, but Luke Wilson does not. I know Luke Wilson reminds me of like a Chicago boy or like a New York boy. <laughs> or he was born in like Seattle. Yeah, or some shit. Like I don't even honestly I can't put a pin on him, but he's not a Southern he's boy. He's a very mysterious actor. He's a mystique a mystical mustache. He, he has a mystique to him. I know like nothing about his life. Yeah, I know absolutely nothing about him. Yeah. But I know everything about Owen Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> and he's and Owen Wilson has started in like every romantic comedy from like the early two thousands. Ever. Yeah, lots of them, which is strange. Yeah. He has an odd face. He's not like a like a he's not like conventionally attractive. Yeah. And yet and has yet been in all is. of these rom-coms. And not just that, but like um I give him some mad props. Or like he has a special place in my heart because he became like Vince Vaughn's new homie. Yeah. After yeah, yeah, like yeah. he stopped making shit with like John Favreau. After John Favreau was like, um, I'm too large for so you. So I need to go make Marvel movies. You find stay a new best here. friend. Have applica- like hold hold auditions and interviews for a new <laughs> homie. I'll be back though. I'll be back. <laughs> You wait right here. It's like, Vince, you're stop being my shadow. Mm-hmm. Go be your own person. Go be your own man, Vincent. <laughs> Go be your own man. <laughs> and thus he found Owen. Owen Wilson. Oh. But this episode isn't about Owen Wilson. It's no. about Wes Anderson. It's about Mr. Wes <laughs> yes. Anderson. Yes, Wes. And you know what the first movie is, Jessica? What is it? It's the Royal fucking Tenenbaums. Hell yeah. The Royal Tenenbaums. It came out in 2001. It was written by, of course, Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson, directed by Wes Anderson. Yes. Royal Tenenbaum, played by a illustrious Gene Hackman. I know, he's so good in this. Uh, and his wife, Ethelene, played by Angelica Huston or Houston. Houston. That's just how she spells it. Yeah. Uh, she looks snatched nowadays, by the way. Girl, she always looks snatched. She she has such a specific beauty. I love. I that know bitch. she's like she's like a goth queen. Yeah, yeah. Like nowadays, because she has her hair kind of like down to her down to her uh-huh. shoulders and like has those like kind of like wispy bangs. Yes, yes, yes. And it's like jet black, and she just she's like she has she's had it's her like face lift. Angular features. I know Ugh. she's like she's had her face lift, and she just looks fucking snatched. She looks like a crow. I love this bitch, <laughs> but like in a hot way. But like a hot crow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Move over, Jessica Rabbit. Here's Jessica Crow. Here's Hot Crow. Here's Hot Crow. Uh, Royal Tenenbaum, once again played by Gene Hackman and his wife, Ethelene, uh, had three children. Chaz, played by Ben Stiller. Yes. Margot, played by Gwyneth Paltrow in her prime. Mm-hmm. And Richie, played by, of course, Luke Wilson, before they separated. All three children are geniuses, but their brilliance was dimmed by decades of betrayal, failure, and disaster, most of which is considered to be their father's fault. (laughs) One winter, they reunite under the same roof as they confront the possibility of their father's death. Want, want, want. Oh, my God. I love this movie. It's so good. You want to know the first thing that I appreciate about really all Wes Anderson films? Mm. The length. (laughs) 
Oh yeah. This man, these movies are wild. Mm. The, the, the visual effects, mm. the acting, mm. the stories, the mm. twists, the turns, mm. everything. And yet he always packs it into like, at like no more than a hundred minutes. He's, he's just, he's unfrivolous with his time. <laughs> yeah. He's great. He's, it's so great. We genuinely stand him. When I think of Wes Anderson movies, because they're so like larger than life, I'm always like, oh, it's like a two and a half hour movie though. And I'm like, it's not though. It's going to take you 90 minutes. It's yeah, great. For real, for real. Um, I am, I watched this movie for the first time during the series of movies that we had to watch for the podcast. Mm. Um, and it is quite frankly, now sort of like neck and neck with FFF as my favorite Wes Anderson film. <laughs> FFF. Fantastic Mr. Fox. You mean fan- FMF? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic F- <laughs> Mr. Mr. Fox. Fox. Ew. <laughs> okay, so it's neck and neck. You really love this one. I love this one. <laughs> what did you what did you love about it? I want to hear your first impressions since this okay, is your first, first time impressions. This is a more character-driven Wes Anderson film. Yeah. Which I really appreciate. I mean, we yes. all love his style and we love like the his style of writing specifically and mm-hmm. also his aesthetic style, his filmmaking style. It's all well and good. Sometimes I feel like it overshadows a lot of the character work that sure. ha- that's supposed to be happening within the, the greater story. Mm-hmm. This one, it's all about these characters. Yeah, like it is because they give you like distinct intros. All about these characters. Yeah, right. He's not trying to make it like parts of a whole. It's like everyone is is an individual in this like ecosystem, and you get like a a um you get like a a, a specific lens into them, and mm-hmm. it's really fucking cool. Everyone speaks for themselves. You know everyone's motivation. You have you know everyone's like deeper deepest desires mm-hmm. and like and like biggest faults, and they all have the most incredible arcs in this film. And they're just it's just wonderful. I had such a great time with the the Tenenbaums in this film. Yeah, I I fucking love this movie. I think it might be my favorite of all of his movies, um, or at least like top two. I, I think it's. I mean, it was his third movie, but I think it's the one that like really solidified Wes Anderson's style mm-hmm. because Bottle Rocket and Rushmore are very distinctively like him. But I think yeah. this is the one where it was like the most precise and yeah. also the most grandiose. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not that grandiose of a film, but it's incredibly, incredibly detailed. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that I love about him most as a filmmaker is that he's incredibly deliberate. Like, mm-hmm. Like I said in his intro, he's like the modern day auteur. So like, yes, he wrote it and he directed it, but he also like curated it, curated yeah. everything shit about it. it. Like yeah. everything had its place and came from the mind of Wes Anderson. And like, what a fucking gifted mind because oh, yeah. he takes these characters and it's almost like he takes it. I mean, this is what he does is he takes like real life people or people who could be in real life but you've never met them in Mm. your life because they're kind of wild and then he like takes takes that volume and just like turns it up on them Mm -hmm. and so for a while you're watching you're like are these fucking real people and then they have like these moments of depth and humanity and humanity Mm -hmm. and it makes them almost that much more human because you've been seeing them in a state that feels less human the entire time. Does that make sense? Right. It's almost like their eccentricities are them yeah. versus they they have eccentricities. Exactly. Until he makes that switch at the point of the character's story where mm-hmm. you see them as a human being 
with eccentricities versus a ball of eccentricities in human form. Correct. Like they're, they're very, very whimsical. And then he is really calculated about when he chooses these moments to like, let you see their insides. Yeah. Like, it, like fucking like Margot ten. Oh my God. <laughs> Who she's nuts. You just like, you see her, she's constantly like chain smoking in a bathroom and she lost a finger because it got hacked off with an axe by her like birth family on in accident. Indiana. In Indiana. <laughs> and she's married to Bill Murray. And <laughs> it's just like her life is fucking insane. But then you see her like sitting alone in this bathroom and like hiding the fact that she smokes. And then like the narrator who is I think is Alec Baldwin. Yes. Is Literally Alec Baldwin. <laughs> and he tells you that like Margot's been smoking since she was 28 and like 12 nobody, nobody or sorry Margot's been smoking since she was 12 but I think she is 28 right no because in how the old film, is she supposed to be in the film they go back in time and yeah. then start from the from like her beginnings into like I know but how old her, like is she sexual prowess currently well the last sexual like promiscuity 35 okay Aaron says 35 <laughs> The last like the last like sexual encounter she had, I think, was like when she was like thirty two. Oh, okay. So I'm assuming around she's there. Around there. Anyway, what I meant to say is she's been smoking since she was twelve and they were like, Margot Tenenbaum never let anyone know that like no one has ever known that she smokes. She doesn't let anyone know anything about her that she doesn't want she's them so to secretive. know. And like she's wild, but like just knowing that one little fact and being with her isolated in that bathroom, you're like Damn Fuck. girl, you hit rock bottom. You got baggage. <laughs> you got you got bags. You got Versace bags. You got baggage. Uh, speaking of Versace bags, yes. all of the costumes in this movie mm-hmm. are all like I I read an article. They're all handmade and like perfectly curated. I know because he wants things to be very specific. Absolutely, They're, like uh, he wants everything to look like vaguely sixties and seventies slash just to be kind of like unplaceable in terms of time like i was reading that the cigarettes that she smokes are like an irish brand of cigarette that you could only get within these certain years in ireland which is crazy and they chose them because he knew that she that they were so obscure and i'm like no one else gives a fuck or would have noticed that but he notices right that's what matters and another thing kind of to add to that is what i loved about it was i didn't really understand what time period it was i know they told us what time Sure. But I did not like all of those fucking taxi cabs that were like run down and they look like they've been there for years. Like they've been around for forever. And like the neighborhood that they were in was always like vaguely New York, but not really New York Mm -hmm. and kind of New York. And we didn't know what time period it really was. And everyone is dressed like it's 1975. Yeah. And it's (laughs) insane because like they have like, you know, she had like a little TV brought into the bathroom with her Margot. And I'm just like, what? what era are you from man like nobody knows but i think that's like that's the interesting part because he kind of tells you that like like it matters because obviously it contributes to the aesthetic but for the storytelling like it doesn't it doesn't really do anything matter yeah so i think it gives you an opportunity to focus on the characters that much more because you're just like they're in this like fantastical almost like storybook setting and so it doesn't fucking matter yeah it's pretty arresting honestly because you as the audience as as the audience member are staring at it and going huh <laughs> <laughs> what? what you're like i know i like what i see but, but i don't why know do I what, like I'm what i see <laughs> yeah um i love first of all 
Gene. Gene is so he's so Gene good at this. is so good as the titular character Royal Tenenbaum. Mm-hmm. He is Chef's Kiss. Like he, I mean, he's an incredible actor in general. I haven't watched nearly enough of like his body of work, mm-hmm. but what I've seen, mm, what I, you've seen a hot body. <laughs> I've seen a hot body of work. <laughs> One of those hot bodies is Royal Tenenbaum. He's just so incredible, and he's like he's you know he's your average con man, mm-hmm. lawyer turned criminal turned con man yeah. <laughs> turned like a cancer faker. Yes, that's why they're all there in the house is because is because they think their father is going to die. Stomach cancer, they think it is. Yeah. What I was reading is that Gene Hackman was fucking awful to work with. I believe it. it because, <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, he is such a seasoned, well-known actor, mm-hmm. like award-winning actor, and then he's in this Wes Anderson movie. And that's not to say that Wes Anderson is small potatoes, but like this was his third movie. He was it, carrots. Yeah. <laughs> he was carrots. Um, to the point where like Bill Murray and Angelica Houston would like take their days off and come sit on the set to make sure that Gene Hackman didn't yell at anybody again. Amen. Which I think is so fucking funny, but also like kind of bomb of those actors to be like, we're also seasoned actors and like, fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. We're here. (laughs) Our dicks are just as big as yours. Exactly. Everyone needs to sit the fuck down. But it did really contribute to the character of Royal Tenenbaum because he's such a fucking asshole. He is a prick. A giant prick. He sucks. And yet... I think Wes, his stories and his his skills as a director also just like have a weird tendency to like bring out these childlike sides of all of not just the actors, but also the characters. Yeah, totally. Like you see this, you you see moments of like Gene Hackman turning into like kind of a child, like when he's running around with the kids and they're like yeah. riding on the bikes and shit like that. Yeah. Um, um, you know, when he's gambling with them and you never know what <laughs> gambling game they're playing. Like it's just <laughs> never known. Yeah. Um. It's just it's just really fun. And even though these characters are experiencing horrible trauma, there's like a lightness to it. Like we were talking about it before we started recording, like Luke Wilson, he shaves his head and stares into a mirror and he's like, I'm going to kill myself tomorrow or something like that. Which no one takes lightly. He eventually does, in fact, attempt to kill himself. Correct. But the whole time you're just like, (laughs) what and what is <laughs> happening you are like totally like just put in your place and and you're staring at this because the scene previous to this was kind of a hilarious scene mm-hmm. where everyone was or, or like just a few scenes ago everyone was like finding out from this private eye that margo is like this most like this insanely sexually like promiscuous <laughs> yeah. chain smoking crazy like previously married woman to someone in jamaica like (laughs) it was just so insane and like it was such a hilarious scene when they all found all of that Mm -hmm. out um and you as the audience person are like well i know like half of this shit so like it's not surprising but seeing the other characters including her husband and her adoptive brother adoptive brother yeah who she's in love with there's some light vague incest in this movie it's very vague and light and it's chill it's chill incest (laughs) um and just seeing their reactions Mm -hmm. to what we already know was absolutely priceless yeah it's it's really great like find finding (laughs) those really light moments in like the absolute tragedy Mm -hmm. of so much of it like they're in the fucking hospital after he tries to kill himself and they're arguing over why they can't like why he won't let them read the suicide note yeah ben stiller's (laughs) like Chaz is like so why'd you kill yourself he's like well i wrote a suicide note can we read it no (laughs) well can you paraphrase it for us (laughs) 
<laughs> it's so funny. And like fucking Ben Stiller. Oh my God. His character. I feel like the character of Chaz is overlooked a lot when people oh, talk yeah. about this movie because he's not the one who gets the most screen time, but like his whole fucking story, his wife died in a plane crash. So he makes his kids run fire drills in case there's an emergency mm-hmm. so that he doesn't lose them, which is insane and hilarious, but also tragic so profoundly sad yes yes absolutely <laughs> it's so so sad i just i i love this movie i love how he's telling the stories of these people who are like trapped by who they were in their prime and then like drawing humanity to who they are now yeah i mean uh, the, the one of the best things about wes anderson is that all of the eccentricities are rooted in humanity and like yes. trauma nothing nothing is out in his world if it's not intentional yeah right like they're all the way that they are because something happened to them that caused them to be the way that they are yeah and i love that i love that it's not just like oh this person like carries around a, a you know or, or like wears a mink coat just because she wears a mink coat like everywhere mm-hmm. it's like that's her protection like she's she's walking around the streets of new york and like across the land and like to indiana and like running away from school and shit like she needs something over her like yeah. it's all it's all very intentional and the fact that the fact that like this is like Margot, by the way that, that we're talking about right now but the fact that Margot at like age 11 has this like coat and that that carries her through into her adult life Mm -hmm. sort of proves that she knew herself even then yeah and she kind of doesn't change which is part of the problem of her character is she's always the same and she's really selfish and she's very secretive and she doesn't care like she doesn't care about the collateral damage of things yeah because she strives for what makes her not happy but like not depressed i guess yeah Um, but yeah it's just all so very intentional and i very much appreciate it yeah i i think it just really shows that that's how wes anderson sees the world like i don't think he looks at people and thinks like he knows that nothing is accidental when it comes to human identity or like yeah. human presentation even if people think that it's an accident even though if i go like why are you wearing those socks today mm-hmm. and you say like i don't know it's like yeah. some part of you does know why you yeah. chose that and so i he sees that and brings it to light in these like really fantastical characters and yeah. it's oh, what a yeah. gift and like obviously like Chaz wears a fucking adidas suit because it's like the it's like the most efficient and like easiest thing to wear in a crisis yes and richie wears his sweatbands all the time even though he's no longer a tennis player because that's his identity because that's his identity that's who he was when he was most loved exactly even on his cruise ship yes (laughs) around the world it's brilliant it's brilliant brilliant wes brilliant mr wes hook him horns wes did you know that you were a very good filmmaker did you know did you know (laughs) name that pokemon (laughs) wes anderson Ugh, it's just it is just such an incredible film and like everyone is just so good in it and i feel like we could rant not rant but like go on about it and there's a lot there's a lot to unpack about this movie so much to unpack about (laughs) this specific movie um and just in the way that the characters interact with each other there is so much there that you are led in on as an audience member where you're like "Ooh, girl like if you talk to him like this shit's gonna happen to this guy and if this guy finds out what the fuck you did then like all Mm -hmm. this shit's gonna blow up to hell yeah and like 
I love the fact that everyone is coming back home. Yes. From the, essentially from their lives. Yes. Right. Not from anywhere, from their lives. <laughs> their they're taking lives. a break and they're coming home. Yeah. And the mother, Angelica, is just playing the most beautiful like brilliant smart like she's been through the shit like this man don't love her Mm -hmm. this man don't want to be with her but he does want he this man plays games (laughs) and then there's this guy who loves her this accountant played by i think danny glover (laughs) oh my god he's so good he's so good in his goddamn blue suit and like yellow boat yes and this man wants to love her, but she can't let him love her because she's still attached to this mm-hmm. like other uh, man. <laughs> so who like it's just it's one of those weird things. He draws light to this weird thing about parents is that even if they're fucking awful, there's something about them that still binds a family. Mm-hmm. It's real like like being bound through trauma. It's kind of crazy. And we didn't even touch on Owen Wilson's character, who isn't oh. even a member of it's, the family. He's not even a Tenenbaum. He's not even a Tenenbaum, but his whole shtick is that he's always wanted to be a Tenenbaum. So mm-hmm. he's arguably the most successful because he's like famous. Yes. But he's, he's a famous still, writer. He's still not a Tenenbaum, he's but he comes back and still interferes in these lives. And it's he has wild. A, first of all, two things about him. He has yeah. a terrible drug addiction. He has yes. like the worst. <laughs> We're laughing because sometimes it makes it like very comical yeah um for example when they're all looking at the tv because royal is like in his bedroom Uh and he's pretending to have stomach cancer and so they're all like gathering around the television like watching tv with him and it is it is owen wilson's uh interview and he's like on drugs so it is a hilarious obviously an objectively hilarious interview (laughs) (laughs) because he just the way that he interacts with the person who's interviewing him is just absolutely insane Insane. um so it's light in that way but there are also other times when you sort of like see his humanity and see like the downward spiral and you get to the very end and he literally crashes his car Mm -hmm. into the side of the tenenbaum's house yeah runs away from ben stiller who is obviously mad (laughs) that someone (laughs) crashed a car into his house (laughs) and they both are just lying on the ground and like we need help yeah but in two very different ways right and the other thing which leads me to leads me to the other thing uh is that he's wearing like tribal paint on his face and like a cowboy hat and like a cowboy hat (laughs) and like a fringe jacket he he looks like a cowboy he's just low-key like really obsessed with like native americans yeah to the and point like where the he's wild like west to the point where he like appropriates their culture and then in the end it's obviously a, this is supposed to be a joke but it's like questionable how his sponsor is like a native american man and i'm just <laughs> sitting there like that's really telling owen that's really telling <laughs> he just like doesn't get it he, he needs help but he like still doesn't he's get it. It, it, there's just no connection yeah. to like the real world mm-hmm. he's living in these like cowboys and you know cowboys and native americans yeah. world that he's like just chilling in and it's just insane like thinking about it now i'm just like what is <laughs> happening like get your shit together every character in this is wild but brilliant and and has like such a unique place in the story it's it's such a good movie you have to go watch it you must you must all of you go watch it go watch the royal Tenenbaum. yes not british not at all british but sounds british <laughs> um so now we're gonna move to monica's favorite woo fff <laughs> fff the fantastic fister fox <laughs> the fantastic fister fox came out in 2009 
Um, so this is the fan, it, not the. This is Fantastic Mr. Fox, which came out in 2009, written by Wes Anderson and Noah Baumbach, directed by Wes Anderson, based on the novel by Roald Dahl. Mr. Fox, played by George Clooney, makes his living stealing chickens until his wife, Mrs. Fox, played by Meryl Streep, makes him stop his wild ways so they can raise their family. But years later, when money is tight, Mr. Fox returns to thieving and decides to do one last big heist to set his family up for life. However, the big heist is far more dangerous than anticipated. The three farmers he's robbed have figured out his identity and have made it their mission to kill Mr. Fox. I must learn the lyrics. You must. It's impossible to know what they're saying. That's true. They're, it's just like a bunch of like British. It's a very eerie song. They make they make fun of it in the movie. Yeah. They're like the the, the school children sing a very eerie song. <laughs> yeah. and, bean. and it's like in the background on like a little radio, and it's they're like, really mm, funny. I like it. <laughs> I love this is his first stop motion. Yeah. I mean he only has two. But Yeah, obviously. It's this in Isle of Dogs. Yeah. In I Isle of Dogs. Dogs. Isley. Um and obviously we chose to do this one. This one's the favorite. Yeah. Uh first of all, the stop motion in this is insane. It's flawless. It's actually flawless. It's liter- he literally and this is my biggest this is my biggest note about this movie is that he just takes a real life a real live yes. movie and he's just like no let's do it with animals yes <laughs> yes and clay and, and clay. fur well, he loves miniatures in general in and general he uses yes them in almost all of his movies almost. i don't know if he used it in like the first three yeah but, but for the rest since of them then uh, yes absolutely tons of miniature work tons. And so obviously that's what he did in this movie yes and it's fucking incredible it's because insane. what gives an artist more control than literally doing something with like felt and, and clay, clay. <laughs> i can mold it <laughs> what is that line from like that one movie with the guy <laughs> with the mask <laughs> i wish molded by it what <laughs> yes Oh my god. First of all, shocked that Monica thought that I would get that. And second, shocked that Aaron knew what you were talking about. I was I was born in it. Molded by it. Uh that's a quote from Mr. Fox. <laughs> <laughs> even if it's not the quote it's just a funny thought yeah everyone just get with the funny. fucking program <laughs> um phantasm mr fox does this thing that i love about wes and like the it is one of the best examples of wes anderson's like whimsy yeah and like his what i like to call like bits that kind of like shape the like move their way into the, the whole film uh-huh. like for example the fact that uh Fant- like mr fox the fantastic mr fox correct has a trademark where he like whistles like twice and then like snaps his fingers uh-huh. uh and that goes throughout the entire film everyone references it everyone makes fun of it mm-hmm. everyone questions it people are like what is that what the, what the fuck what are you doing what are you doing <laughs> why are you doing that that's fucking arbitrary and he's like it's my trademark <laughs> um and the fact that the that what's his name the badger yeah is like what the fuck what is that what what happens to his eyes where does he go he just like goes where does he go is he a badger is he a possum uh newsflash to me and i guess to jessica (laughs) except she knew it from the beginning except i don't even i can't i I can't give it to her i had a hunch but i Uh, yeah he's in in fact an opossum 
an opossum. Uh, full name, Kyle Sven Opossum. Son of <laughs> Emma. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the one when the possum just like, he, I, I guess it's like the equivalent of a possum playing dead, but... <laughs> I don't even know. Where does he go, no man? Where does he go? Uh, and then obviously there's the bit of uh, Ash's like difference where <laughs> George Clooney, well, not George Clooney. It's George Clooney as a little clay figure as the fox. As a little fox. Uh, the fox goes, he's different. <laughs> that was Monica shaking her arms in the air. Yes. <laughs> And then the other fucking fox, Christofferson. Yes, Christofferson spits everywhere for whatever. And like is really obsessed with the like, no, Ash spits everywhere. And Ash is the one obsessed with bandit hats. Yes, Christofferson is the one who's like good at everything. Christofferson is the one who's good at everything and also really into yoga. Yeah. And like is really woke and like <laughs> super like in touch with. He's a with, woke fox. He's a woke ass fox, bitch. Christofferson is like a Bernie bro. He is a Bernie bro. He definitely followed the 2016 campaign trail. <laughs> He definitely didn't vote at all because he wanted to vote for Bernie. Yes. He was the one who wrote Bernie in when he could have voted for Hillary. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're not thinking of anyone in particular, but. But that's him. <laughs> He's the one who went on that like yoga retreat. Yes. He's yes. the one who has like an ashram and like, mm-hmm. and like a guru and like, <laughs> he's the one who actually liked Eat, Pray, Love. <laughs> so that's Christopherson. <laughs> Which I know we're laughing, but like his uncle is like dying or his dad is dying. Something bad happening. A guardian of the clay figure that plays the fox called Christofferson is dead or dying. Is something. Yeah, there's something happening, which I mean, is just kind of the point of all of this is that Wes Anderson just takes real people and real situations and just adds like a he's like a fairy godmother Indeed. he just takes his dust and he like throws it on a story and he's like yes. i'm going to add whimsy and whimsy. in this case it was let's make everyone foxes and uh, that's what you get you get real characters with real human real life problems but they're fucking foxes absolutely i mean obviously the the you know material is it by which or from which this screenplay comes from? Yes. it. Yeah. From which, I guess. From which. <laughs> sandwich. <laughs> the material sandwich this screenplay came from was Fantastic Mr. Fox by Roald Dahl. Yeah. And reading that movie as a kid, or reading, mother of fuck, reading that <laughs> book as a kid... I don't remember it giving me the same impact that this movie gave me. Well, no, because you get all those little moments. Like, there are so many little, little moments between the characters that are so good. Like, when Meryl says, when Meryl tells George. Mrs. Fox. When Mrs. Fox tells Mr. Fox that she's going to have a baby, it just cuts to his face and he goes, huh? (laughs) He just gasps and then it cuts to another scene and it was it's, it's an incredible moment. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Like, we're not doing it justice, obviously, because you uh, can't see it, but oh you have to watch the movie. And the joke where he's like, what's wrong with you? You're glowing. And she's literally glowing. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. This is the comedic movie of the century, <laughs> is what we're trying to say. Let George Clooney and Meryl Streep do more animated films. Honestly, I would see this if they did it as, uh, you know, where they were wearing the... The, the suits with the balls and they put 
Oh, you know. Oh yes, they have like Motion the balls capture. on the. Is that what it's called? Uh, the balls on the Mo-cap, face, yeah. and then they have the the dots on their yeah, eyes. I want to see them do that as, but they look like they're in a unitard and it's green. Correct. Andy's circus is great at. It. Oh, the circus boy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, the circus boy. How is he? <laughs> <laughs> Probably still. Maddie hasn't gotten an Oscar. Honestly, <laughs> I think they gave him an honorary one at like the Academy Awards sciences or whatever the fuck ceremony i don't know all i know is he directed a very odd version of the jungle book recently and by recently i mean within the last like three years i had no idea yeah no one i just know about the john favreau one yes which i did see in the theater remember that (laughs) i've heard it was bad it was not great listen not everything john touches is gold (laughs) not everything john touches is gold Ooh. Also, I think doing it, doing this movie as claymation automatically makes it feel more retro, aka his whole shtick. Yeah. What I want to know is what's the difference between stop motion and claymation? I think they're the same same thing, thing, but people just refer to them. It's like, what is chicken run then? Both. Both. Well, it's made of clay. I guess Fantastic Mr. Fox isn't entirely made of clay, so it wouldn't be claymation. It's It's not claymation. Right, but but Chicken Run is claymation. Is claymation. Okay. Uh, the one, the Wallace and Gromit. Oh, uh, Wallace and Gromit? <laughs> I think that's the same production company as well. Yes, yeah. I think it's the same people. You know what's so funny is this whole time I thought Flushed Away was claymation. It's not. Is it not? <laughs> no, it's not. What? Yes. It's just animation made to look like claymation. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. That's. I feel like that's a cop out. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> They were like, we want to do stop motion, but that's too much work. So, so- <laughs> guys, I have a great Fucking idea. Pussies. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> How dare you put Hugh Jackman in a film that's supposed to be claymation, but isn't claymation. How dare you shit on the art of claymation. Oh, God. Monica, do you want to know who my favorite voice cameo appearance is? Oh, my God. Who? Tell me. Willem Dafoe as the rat. As the rat who gets the sweetest redemption arc. (laughs) The sweetest redemption arc. (laughs) I love that he's just like this little slinky rat who like... Yeah, he's like a shark from uh, West Side Story. I know. (laughs) Oh, he guards all of the cider. It is just so (laughs) fucking funny. It's so good. Oh my God. And the fact that this rat is like wearing a striped shirt and is like and it's like the henchman yeah. to like one what is it bean is it bogus is it bunce what who makes the cider the I one who makes the cider yeah bogus bunce and bean man if i see this is what, what if i knew the lyrics i would know who makes the cider well, that's not true because you don't know that that's what the lyrics reveal the cider the cider <laughs> um but he basically is obsessed with the cider and has never tasted it yeah yet has this obscene obsession with the liquid gold, as he calls it. (laughs) That was a great impression. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And he is just, he's fighting for the wrong reasons, and you Mm -hmm. know it that whole time. (laughs) This little rat (laughs) played by Willem Dafoe. I just love that we're like dissecting (laughs) the motive of this rat who guards cider. Well, I'm just saying he's fighting for the wrong reasons because he's never going to get a taste of that cider. Of course not. And then he ultimately dies. And then he dies without ever tasting the liquid Oh, without liquid go. Sorry, Misa Oh, I'm so sorry. There's also some really good sound effects in this movie. Yeah, and he like licks it all up, but it's like dirt 
because like Mr. Fox feels really bad for yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this got really dark really fast. <laughs> well, but I think that's kind of the point is that you have this like this lighthearted movie. Ebb and flow. That's sort of like a family film or it has like the mm-hmm. feel of that at least, but it has all of this like very real human trauma behind it. Absolutely. And that's just like what Wes Anderson does. Totally. Is he deliver, it's like he delivers you horrible things, but on like a really beautiful plate. Yeah. So you're not even that sad when it happens, but you're yeah. like, I'm still going to digest this and I'll know what has happened. <laughs> One of my favorite bits in the whole movie is when Mr. Fox loses his tail. Yes. And then like gets it back and yes. like it's just on him all tattered and shit. And he just like, I think he like either pinned it or like taped it to the back mm-hmm. of his ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good there's so, so many good, good details in this movie and it's like it's like that's the the last and final semblance of like the old quote-unquote like the old him mm-hmm. who always used to get away with like because they make it a point to say multiple times in the movie like you're gonna lose your tail yeah or like someone's gonna shoot off your fucking tail they don't say that <laughs> but like you know what i mean yeah and so he holds on to it as like a semblance of like the quote-unquote old mr fox yeah because there's old mr fox and new mr fox mm-hmm. old mr fox was a rowdy man mm-hmm. he would get into all kinds of trouble and that's how he would impress Mrs. Fox. Mrs. Fox, who, who en- was right there with him. Yeah, who enjoyed his wilding ways. But then once she became preggers, she no longer wanted him to be a wilding boy. I love that there was like a fully a rumor in the movie. Like it was part of the plot that Mrs. Fox was a slut. Yeah. <laughs> like that she used to be a fucking slut. <laughs> and just like sleeping with that, with everyone Which in the Which is town. like, girl, to each her own, oh, you get yours. 100%. But it's just so funny that they have these fucking they bothered to take the time like to the write in story. rumors uh. about a teenage fox. Uh. <laughs> uh. And I love how it's like their their like land is so small. Yes. And like they're all centered around kind of like this giant tree mm-hmm. that they eventually want to buy, but it's like too expensive for them. Mm-hmm. But so they're like always gonna like live underground. And like when they finally get the tree, he like can barely afford it. Except now he's gotta pull off all these jobs. A la Oceans films, mm-hmm. a George Clooney coming back, <laughs> pulling off these literal heists <laughs> with his opossum friend Kyle, <laughs> running it past his lawyer, the Badger, Played and going. Bill Murray. <laughs> it is just the most absurd. It's absurdist. Yeah, like it is just the most absurd, most whimsical funniest best stop motion film i've ever seen it's it's fucking up there it's probably the best i've ever seen as well yeah yeah uh not claymation though claymation will always be different things different things i guess grab it (laughs) grab it and not flushed away do you want some cheese (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um Anyway, you guys should all go watch Fantastic Mr. Yeah, Fox. I will say this dissection of this film was kind of all, all over the place. That's okay. You knew what you signed up for when you yeah. press play on this podcast. Simply put, the film itself is kind of all over the place. <laughs> yeah. And really fucking insane. Yes. And there's a lot there. There is the story of a boy who wants his dad's approval and everyone around him is always better than him. Yeah. And Mr. Fox himself wants everyone's approval because he used to be this great he guy. He wants to be fantastic Mr. Fox. He wants 
to be truly fantastic and never feels fantastic mm-hmm. because he lives like a quote unquote normal life. Yeah. And his wife, all his wife wants him to do is to be happy and he can never find true satisfaction or true happiness. Therefore, she feels really unhappy because he's unhappy and she's just trying to paint her fucking landscapes mm-hmm. and no one's leaving her the fuck alone. Mm-hmm. Everyone's calling her a slip behind her back. <laughs> And the badge is just a lawyer and Kyle isn't a possum, but he like seeks adventure. But like, is Loki like kind of shy? <laughs> and like, Boggis Buns of Bean, I feel for them. Animals are always getting up all in their shit. And like, know, they're just they're trying like, to protect just it. stealing their stuff. Exactly. They're just trying to protect their shit. And like, the beagle got fucking like poisoned by this blueberry. And like, he was, <laughs> I'm just like, I feel bad for everyone in this movie. <laughs> You just have to go watch it to know what the fuck we're talking about. (laughs) But anyway, everyone gets incredible arcs in this film. Like we said, the rat gets the sweetest redemption arc. So good. It's so good. After he has like a Mexican standoff with Mr. Fox. (laughs) In a sewer. In a sewer. (laughs) Underneath the wine cellar. (laughs) Yep. Uh, And yeah, so... (laughs) That was... Fantastic Mr. Fox! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So now we're moving on to... Tell us, Monica. The final film. The final. The final film and the final frontier of Probably the Anderson. one that if you would have seen one of all these three, it's this is the one you I guess seen. so. I guess so. Um, <laughs> the Grand Budapest Hotel. Yes. It came out in 2014. Great year. Great year for Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Great year for the AM album by Arctic Monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> great for Knee Socks. It was just, just a great, great year. all around. Great year. Aesthetic, all of it. Story by Wes Anderson and Hugo Guinness, written and directed by Wes Anderson, inspired by the writings of Stefan Zweig. 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 <laughs> this movie recounts the adventures of Monsieur Gustave, played by Rafe Fiennes, a legendary concierge at a famous European hotel between the wars, and Zira Mustafa, played by Tony Revolori, <laughs> the lobby boy who becomes his most trusted friend and, like, codependent, like, valet. Yeah. <laughs> The story involves the theft and recovery of a priceless Renaissance painting. Boy with apple. Boy with apple. <laughs> and the battle for an enormous family fortune, all against the backdrop of a suddenly and dramatically changing continent. We oui, we oui, oui. Oh, wow. There's so much Europe in this movie. It is so European. It is so Alpine. It's so German. It's so Swiss. <laughs> it's so French. It's so Budapest. It is all things. It's so Budapest? You mean Hungarian? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hungry. Hungry for, I don't know, I don't Oscars, know. Golden yeah, Globes. It was hungry for go- all of those. Yeah, it was. It only got a smidgen of the appetite, though. Yeah, I mean, it won. It won a globe and a BAFTA. Mm-hmm. And it got a nom. A nom. A little nom nom. A little nom, nom nom. Um, I don't know about you, but like when you first get that shot of the hotel, it kind of gave me a little bit of the shining vibes. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Is and that you just know, me. And you know it's a miniature. I know so, so much so much of this specific movie is, is miniature. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I love that. Um, because they have like a really fun storybook look to them. Yes. They're not totally like you know how like you know how in the movie Star Wars? Star Wars? A Star Wars? Yeah. They have like miniatures and they look really real and yes. it looks like, oh no, that shit's like that's a spaceship in space, y'all. Yeah. That's that mm, that looks real. Yeah. <laughs> um 
none of these look real no some of them look more real than others like i think if you just saw the shot of the hotel against the snowy mountains with nothing else moving you'd be like oh that could be real Mm -hmm. but then you see the little the little car that goes up the mountain yes and that like very clearly is fake very deliberately yeah and you're like okay well no this looks like a this looks like an adult storybook (laughs) yeah which is great because the movie is about like two layers of storytelling precisely and it's very non-linear like in the sense like it's kind of chopped up well i mean it's linear mostly it's it's linear in in its narrative yes it's chopped up in like (laughs) there are flashbacks yes exactly Yes, yes, yes the flashbacks happen linearly yes but then they flash to the present sometimes precisely yeah, you just got to keep up it's like back to the future <laughs> which is why we're sitting here like me <laughs> i mean i followed it just fine but i followed I'll it speak for myself normally <laughs> i went to go see this movie in 2014 when it came out yeah me too i remember uh, seeing it in theaters and yes loving it. absolutely I was sitting there with my iPod Nano and really enjoying it. <laughs> you had a na- an iPod Nano in 2014? Yes, leave me alone. It was bright yellow and I watched movies on it. I had to like turn it over to the side so I could watch it like in its intended format. Wow, how precious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had like my little skull candy like earphones. Oh my God, I haven't thought about the brand like, skull candy that I would in a decade. Put into my ears. Like they were the, the like the squishy ones yeah, that like yeah. suck your ears. I had them. Uh-huh. I had a, pink, a hot pink pair that went with my iPod touch that mm. had a yellow cover. Ooh, I felt very cool. So cool. And I had like my like flannel on with like my high-waisted pants and like my doc martens yes bitch and it was just like such a vibe <laughs> with my like 14 with my like vintage band tee but like i didn't know what band it was probably at that time and <laughs> i was just like a poser and like my hair was like really long and i was like let's go see the Glenn you Budapest were a poser Hotel. with a closeted love for breakfast at tiffany <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's go watch wes anderson's new movie uh, let's go see wes anderson's new yeah movie. <laughs> God, and like it was the thing that I would always reblog, like the picture of the, yes, yes, the yes. of the hotel <laughs> of the hotel. Well, this movie is very aesthetic, but all of his movies are. But I think this one especially has a lot of those really like clean shots, very of like exteriors. Um, clean. This movie, I think, of all his movies, is one of the most like stylized movies. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Sure, I would say so. I really would. I would argue. I think for because it. it has like a very very distinct location whereas yeah. a lot of the other ones are vague as to right. where they take place mm-hmm. yeah so this one does feel very european this one fe- just feels incredibly stylized yes um and i enjoy all of the miniatures and i love rafe <laughs> i love rafe uh can we talk about tilda oh first of all y'all know y'all on this pod know tilda's tilda's our bitch we love tilda we love i tilda. can't believe we haven't scheduled a tilda episode. oh we will <laughs> She's brilliant in this film. She's so good. I love that. So Wes Anderson was like, we need to make her look ancient. And they were like, but it's going to cost so much money. And he was like, I'll spend all of the makeup budget on her. And they were like, okay. Okay, Okay, Wes. (laughs) Okay, Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson, this is going to take so much money. Do you think yes? okay okay <laughs> or like whatever they are hungarian we, i don't i don't German, know who hungarian. knows i know that they shot in germany yeah uh, they yeah they shot a lot in germany a good portion of the movie in germany so yeah. probably like me yeah what's yeah. that yeah 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 uh, anderson oh yeah anderson 
V, V on the makeup, V put makeup on Tilda, V, do this. I was going to say da, that's Russian. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this uh, movie costs a lot of dinero. It, it, cost, it cost a fuck ton a of money. small fortune. They shot like the lobby of the hotel was like the middle of an old department store that crazy. they converted. That's fucking wild. That's expensive. It's and, like, you know, it's it reminded me of like, what they did with like uh once upon a time in hollywood when they like took a piece of los angeles and shut it down when they shut down hollywood they boulevard shut down hollywood. or not Ho- santa monica boulevard yes. that's what i meant to say oh my god yeah, fucking insanity oh. <laughs> wes anderson out here like he's fucking quentin tarantino like he's quentin tarantino i mean like he, they have i mean the they're like fame, pretty but yeah, yeah i would say so <laughs> <laughs> they have of similar fame of and similar fortune. Yes, correct, correct, <laughs> correct. <laughs> um, I think one of the big things that I like about this whole movie is how, like, pretty much every single actor collaborator that Wes Anderson has ever had makes a cameo is in this fucking in movie. This movie. Is in this fucking movie. People who have insane careers who have won Oscars make tiny cameos like, in this. We're talking like Edward two lines. Harvey Keitel has oh, like two scenes. God. <laughs> It's kind oh of wild, God. but also like a testament to probably the experience that it is yeah. that it is working on these movies. You know, I will say just coming from like a like a actual like film making perspective, sure. like the the making of the film, it is probably such an absolute like such a treat. Mm-hmm. What an absolute treat to be able to have a director who no matter how famous you get, no matter how many Oscars you win, no matter how many Golden Globes, how much praise, how much, how many U.S. Weekly ex- exclusives, People Magazine exclusives you get, you still come back and work with him because he's such a delight. Yeah, because you've seen his work and you know that no matter how big or small the part, he is so precise about why he has that character there. Mm-hmm. So you know that you're absolutely essential. Yes. And you know that whatever you're given to say or however you're supposed to look, like he knew exactly what to write to get the most like fantastically wonderful thing out of your performance to get a con- to contribute to the story absolutely. properly. Yes. And so you're like, I know I'm a fucking high value, even if I'm not the lead. Precisely. So it, it must be amazing. It must feel like butterflies yeah perfectly curated butterflies in your tummy. like i would have to guess that working on a wes anderson movie is almost as whimsical as watching one. Oh my god that especially, would be my especially dream. with watching this one. Oh yeah and obviously daddy goldblum makes an appearance oh he's jude law oh, oh my god jude jude law <laughs> There are so many daddies in this. A lot like, of daddies. I'm pretty sure like this. every actor in this movie is a daddy. Oh yeah, hundred percent, one hundred percent. I would say everyone except for Tony Ravioli. <laughs> Tony Ravioli and like Lucas Hedges has like a cameo performance. He's not a he's a baby daddy. Yeah, we're talking like Tony Ravioli is a baby daddy. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like doesn't count. But there's like Willem Dafoe and Adrian oh, Brody and yes. Edward Norton and Jude yes. All all of them. They're all so good. Poor Jeff Goldblum, though, does get all of his fingers chopped off. So that's Well, sad. that's what I'm saying is like Wes Anderson has this weird <laughs> fetish for like chopping fingers off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is. In this like adult storybook land, some bitches be getting their fingers chopped right, he off. He just loves to throw a wrench in there. He loves to do that. 
He loves to do that. Yeah, because like, in Fantastic Mr. Fox, the equivalent of getting your finger cut off is getting your tail cut off. So. Yes, and then Margot had her finger Margo cut off. Margot had her finger cut off. This motherfucker got his fingers Somebody chopped cutting off. cutting of limbs. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. But in true West anderson fashion no matter like how fantastical this all does come back to like a very very real place like mm-hmm. even though it looks like a storybook none of it has a storybook ending even zero who like inherits the hotel zero. he like the hotel is run down and nobody mm-hmm. goes there anymore disheveled and exactly and all that remains is the story really. yeah and his his wife died poor poor agatha is that her name yes agatha played by sir sharonin <laughs> With a big birthmark on her With, face. With like, the like shape of Mexico, yeah. Loki. <laughs> <laughs> she dies and Ray Fiennes gets shot like by, I guess, like Nazi equivalents, basically. Equi- yeah. So I was talking to Aaron about this earlier and I and he was like, so it's like about Nazis. And I was like, kind of. I mean, it's supposed to be World War Two. It's supposed to be. Yeah. But it's like vaguely also not. Well, yeah it's the time period because it's the 30s yes precisely and then it's the right place so it's in hungary and they like the the soldiers like storm the hotel and then they put up all those banners yes that have like a very distinct symbol on them it's obviously not a swastika right exactly so it's like vaguely yeah you're supposed to know that they're pretty much nazis precisely so but while not actually being nazis yeah a la sound of music they are alluding to nazis a la sound of music yes 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 Uh, yeah so and edward norton is sadly like vaguely one of the nazis yes one of the nazis though we love him we do we love edward oh we love eddie he's so cute oh he's cute as a button (laughs) (laughs) but yeah there's all this like really dark shit that happens but you're still so satisfied with what you got to watch absolutely which is really special because i have i've seen many sad movies where they make me so sad i'm like fuck Fuck. i don't want to watch that for a very long time it's also a tight film yeah she's tight it's like 50 or not 50 minutes it's like 100 minutes maybe yeah she's as tight as angelica houston's facelift like she's tight yeah she looks snatched angelica does not come back for a cameo in this no she does not. neither does luke i hear she's coming uh she's making in the french uh, connection yeah yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Hear, I hear that's what I've heard as well. Oh, I thought it was the French Connection is a different Gene movie. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> the French Dispatch is is Gene Hackman going to be in this one too? Is He's still Gene? alive. He's ninety one. Yeah, he could pull a Christopher Plummer and still be acting up right to his final days. R.I.P. Homeboy. Oh, R.I.P. To that our one hit babe. hard. We're gonna do him soon. Oh yeah. By soon I mean after we get through the docking. <laughs> The like hundred of Danny's we have to do. <laughs> it's okay. There, that's why we chose this topic for a podcast because there's so much fuel. So many, so many daddy, just fuel in my tank. <laughs> anyway, Monica, you were saying earlier that there were things you didn't love about this movie, and I'm curious to hear about what those are. Um, I just after watching the Royal Tenham because I used to obviously I was one of I was the main picker of like. Mm-hmm. two of these films fantastic yeah. mr fox and the grand budapest hotel and then we decided on the royal tenenbaums just because it was like we need to pick one of his first three films yeah. that one seemed the most accessible to moi so mm-hmm. we kind of went on with that yeah um after watching the royal tenenbaums it made me realize that the grand budapest hotel is not as character driven as i'd like it to be okay um it's just that's really all it is because it's still a fantastic movie yeah and it's still a great film it's, it's just, a romp 
it's just not my favorite Wes Anderson film. And it kind of like lost its original spot okay. and got kind of replaced with like the Royal Tenenbaums. Okay. Um, I really appreciate, because now that I know what Wes Anderson can do with characters, yeah. I'm like, bitch, there's no excuse. Yeah. <laughs> like, he really did take the Royal Tenenbaums to such a human like place. Another level. Yeah. yeah. Another level. So like, that's really my only qualm with it is i because i think it could be like a perfect movie honestly Mm -hmm. if we spent more time with the characters yeah i think it would have to be edited down like the amount of characters would have to be edited down absolutely it was just a lot there was a lot there was a lot of people in that fucking movie yeah (laughs) but i mean like it it is though such a like a testament to what he can do because that's such a fucking feat to have so much and yet keep it so precise precisely like the apparently like all of those shots of newspapers like wes anderson personally wrote everything that you see on the newspaper and they're like real fucking stories Mm -hmm. and he shot the movie in three different aspect ratios to correspond to the time period the three different times yes i'm just like what No, like very few filmmakers care as much as he does. Well, okay, that's wrong. That's wrong to say. They Mm -hmm. do care. They just care in different ways. Yes, he cares about, he is, he's a true curator. Yeah. He's a curator of the art that he wants people to see, right? He leaves very little to the imagination because he's like, no, 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 no. I want control of that. Yes. I want control of the colors, the feelings, the, the, the specificities, the props. Like I, everything you see as an audience member, he wants control over, which is a way like that is a way to make films that not everyone obviously has. Well, it makes me wonder like, what is it like to watch a movie with Wes Anderson? Because if he's sitting there going, I'm going to make this movie so that in case someone pauses on this scene and decides to read this paper that's on the screen, Mm -hmm. there there's something to read. Precisely. So it makes me like, is Wes Anderson just fucking looking for shit in movies? Yeah. (laughs) What is it like to watch, to, to consume media with this man? I don't know. I've never heard him talk about other filmmakers. I mean, I guess I haven't really looked for it, but you know. Yeah, I guess I guess that'll be our, our homework, our HW. I'm curious now. I really I really want to know like yeah, what he thinks of other movies. But yeah, I think that I think what's stopping me from liking the Grand Budapest Hotel more than I already do, which is already a ton, by the yeah. way. This is all coming from a place of mad, mad amour, mad love, mad love, mad love, a one a mad love. Um, <laughs> really, I just. That one got me, Monica. I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'll make it. Hey, when ain't my love? Hey, when ain't my love, baby? Seven down a valley. Hey, fool. Um, <laughs> oh, I remember. Oh, she good. Yeah, even though I have mad love for the film mm-hmm. as a whole, and honestly, all of these films, I just wish that like the the missing piece of it really is just more time with our characters more character development i want to really know who they are yeah what they're doing <laughs> and i love how rafe finds is like straight up like a player <laughs> who just like fucks old like, just, women like, fucks everyone but he just owns it <laughs> i know <laughs> i fucking love him oh he's so good and he's definitely my favorite character in this film oh yeah uh, i mean like he he's so commanding but and yet kind of I don't know. He just like fits in and yet you're like drawn to him the entire time. Precisely. It's just absolutely brilliant. Brilliant on both Wes's part and Rafe's part. Yes. 
so good. It's a great movie. It's I, a I great mean, film. I recommend watching all of his movies. I think his really early work with Rushmore and Bottle Rocket is super interesting. And even some of the movies that people care a lot less about, like the Darjeeling Limited, oh, is yeah. also still a really good movie. All of his movies are st- are good movies. Yeah. He can't make a bad movie. Yeah. You know, knock on wood, right? We don't know if he's going to eventually make a bad movie. <laughs> Isle of Dogs was not his best, but still good. Yeah. Isle of Dogs was not his best, but I went and I had a good time. I had a, I had a good time. I had a good time. You it know? was it was beautiful. I don't and remember what it was about. I loved all the sushi making scenes. So that good. shit was satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was Wes Anderson. Okay. It just sounded like you said gay. <laughs> what they're always accusing Rafe of being yeah. in the Grand Budapest Hotel. Precisely. But he's definitely not. He's given the the bees that D. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Monica, what have you dabbled in? I'm so glad you asked, Jessica. <laughs> yeah, tell me. Because I recently purchased this water bottle that oh. I have in my hands. Uh-huh. I bought this water bottle from... <laughs> Were you influenced? I was influenced. There is this <laughs> water bottle that has timestamps on it and like motivation yeah. on the side. It's like a half gallon water bottle. I eventually want to graduate to the gallon. Yeah, I've seen people with various like iterations of yeah. this. Concept. So it's like so it starts at seven a.m. and it goes all the way down to nine p.m., which I'm still on track. <laughs> so I'm just saying. Um, but basically, I challenge myself to like drink one of these a day, and mm-hmm. like hopefully in the ne- in the next few months when I do. I'm going to graduate to like the gallon water. <laughs> You're going to drink a gallon of water a day. And then I'll be great. And then you'll be Aquaman. <laughs> and then I'll be Aquaman. <laughs> Jason Momoa, step aside. Move over, Jason Momoa. Move over. <laughs> Stepfather of Zoe Kravitz. Yes. I mean, that's a, that'll be a fun job. Honestly. Um, and it's just freaking awesome. And I have never drunk this much water in my life. Like wow. daily. Um, so it's been a good, like, distraction from, like, the mundaneness of life in quarantine because I make this, like, a challenge for myself. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh, my God, if I... So you have something to work towards every day? Towards every day. (laughs) Yeah. So it's just, it's given me, like, it's given me, like, new meaning to my life. And, like, I would recommend anyone get one. Uh, You can just type into, like, you can get it on, like, Amazon or, like, anywhere else. If you don't want to support, like, Jeff Bezos, that's totally fine. I, I absolutely understand. <laughs> Sometimes I have to support him in order to keep my sanity. Sure. Uh, it is what it is. Um, But I completely understand not supporting Amazon because they suck ass. But you can get this on Amazon. I've also seen this on, like, independent seller sites as well. Yeah. So you can get that there. I would just type in uh, large water bottle timestamps motivation. <laughs> into google and then you'll get many and you'll get many this one has a straw and like a really tough handle so you know it's like psychologically proven that you drink more water with a straw is it really yeah Mm -hmm. wow (laughs) (laughs) jessica what have you dabbled in um you know Kind of the same shit. I've been getting really obsessive about my skincare lately. Ooh, tell. Which it probably doesn't show because my skin looks like shit today. Your skin looks the same. No, my the left side of my face is like healing from a really bad breakout. Oh, I'm sorry. Because I forgot to wash my pillowcase for like 
a week and a half. Oh no! And uh, it just it fucked with the left side of my face. So Ugh. you know, Sorry, it's how girl. it's how it be. But no, I've been getting very obsessive with it. Otherwise, I follow this girl on Instagram called Charlotte Parlay at Charlotte Parlay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she like does this thing called slugging. What the fuck <laughs> is where, that shit? It's like a way that you layer your skincare products. And it's not like she invented it or anything. It's just like, that's how I heard about it. But it it's like, once you cleanse your skin, then you dampen it again. And then you put on your serum, unless it's a serum or a retinol that tells you that it can't be used damp like that it has okay. to go on dry skin right um so then you put on your serum or whatever the fuck and then you dampen your skin again and then you put on your moisturizer and then you dampen it again and oh then you God. put on your face oil and then if it's nighttime you put on either like vaseline or like oh. a really really rich emollient like i use like a skin salve basically that wow. goes over everything and then you just go night night and you wake up and you look like you were just born or if it's daytime after you put on your face oil, then you do your sunscreen, even if you're staying inside. That's um, crazy. It's because apparently when you put the water in, all of your products are layering to lock in the moisture of the water to like force it into your skin. And there are like all these studies about how when you add water to certain skincare, it like absorbs it like 10 times like what it usually does and so you're getting more out of your product and more for your money and like Listen, i spend a shit ton of money on skincare so like i'm down with anything i spend an average amount of money on skincare <laughs> but i will say i am one not i'm actually not one to try skincare fads although i did get a cleansing balm to replace my sure. finished micellar water and it is ten well, thousand really times better fad. it's just like a way of layering layering your products rather than just like slapping them on your dry skin well some people just slap them on uh, you okay? can do that but uh, i mean i have nothing else to do so i've been getting crazy well, about this i've been drinking my wordier <laughs> monica i can't wait for our joint dabble to start soon guys stay tuned it's gonna be very stay tuned. um anyway do we have any questions today we do actually tonight so our friend of the pod <laughs> susan sent us a question shout out Suze. shout out Suze. we love you i hope you are okay being called Suze. yeah we have no idea <laughs> we have no idea we don't know you uh, but uh, we don't know you but like we know you man like we know you so <laughs> sorry about it okay so this is verbatim what Suze dm'd us she said okay guys i got a question for you for your podcast in what movie franchise do you think the sequel is way better than the original my vote is grumpier old men too walter Matthau gets my vote for sexy senior citizen to talk about cacti in the bathroom <laughs> honorable mentions include ace ventura 2 when nature calls and hot shots part two what movie franchise do you think the sequel is better than the original monica i have my answer already please give your answer while i think my answer is shrek 2 <laughs> shrek one wow. is a brilliant film but shrek two really the, it really just uh, it raises i the love bar. the addition of the of the fairy godmother and all the songs the songs the, the land of far far away I need period a hero whip <laughs> <laughs> um i love charming 
uh, oh, Prince Charming. So, he's, he's so, so good. good. The whole movie is just funnier, and you get to see what Shrek looks like as a fucking hot human. Which is kind of insane to me. I don't know. I remember every song from that movie. Yeah. More so than I remember like the first movie, which is not my favorite movie in the world, honestly. I- the the first movie was very very special and had a lot of things that you had just you'd never seen before mm-hmm. and that's why it was so good but like, and and very wholesome shrek 2 is just like a fucking party yeah yeah i yeah i completely agree <laughs> my answer is definitely evil dead 2 tell me why which is i've never seen either of these movies significantly better than evil dead 1 i think i would love for you to just watch them on your own um evil did two kind of like because evil dead one has an issue where it's like it's great and like just very jarring uh-huh. and it, it, it are these scary movies yes it does plenty of like world building but in evil dead two there's just like a better marriage between all of it and huh. it's just it's spicy my only knowledge of evil dead two is that scene from high fidelity <laughs> oh my god <laughs> if i told you that i was going to see evil dead two but i hadn't yet what would you say <laughs> what but we but you've seen but you've it. seen it we saw it together we saw it together <laughs> no but like what if i what if i told you that i haven't seen it yet <laughs> would you think that i was going to see it or that i would have seen it by now if i wanted to see it <laughs> uh those are your answers susan i hope i hope those are satisfying yeah uh alternative answers are spider-man 2 i guess uh the empire strikes back mm, i don't have any other alternative answers me neither yeah i'm i'm pretty much a big fan of the originals <laughs> yeah for a lot of things at mm, least mm, eh, yeah mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah that's a th- these are our answers <laughs> yes these are the answers to your questions yeah i i also don't know enough about the harry potter franchise to pick one i mean uh, most of the movie like a lot of people say prisoner of azkaban is the best movie and that's the third one the um, jail a lot of people of say frozen place. 2 is better than frozen 1 oh i agree actually that's a lie i think of all of the frozen franchise the documentary is the best one, the best sequel <laughs> like the making of frozen 2 it, into the it, unknown it. it's called it's oh, called okay yeah uh yeah okay i will say i'm partial to a goofy movie too oh not that i like it better it's just like goofy movie one really pulls on the heartstrings oh it totally does that song but goofy movie two has disco And I do love disco. disco and the X Games and the roller skating, Fuck. which Jessica and I are, may or may not be getting into soon. <laughs> the word is not on the street. We yet. have no idea. <laughs> no one has any idea. Uh, thank you yes. for listening to Wes Anderson. Thank you. You're on NPR. Uh, <laughs> join us after these messages. Yes. And uh, as always, don't sue us, Daddy Favreau. Goodbye, Monica. Good night, Jessica. <laughs> good night and good luck. Good night, moon. Good night, chair. <laughs> good night, cow jumping over the moon. <laughs> <laughs>